welcome to Word Online. Hello and welcome to Series 8 and Episode 9. Jesus at the home of Mary and Martha. We're in Luke's Gospel and we're going to be studying uh, the brief account in Luke 10 verses 38 to 42. As we carry on our studies of the life of Jesus, we are uh, focusing on Luke's Gospel for a period of time because Luke provides us with lots of information uh, about the time when Jesus uh, leaves Galilee and heads south uh, towards uh, Jerusalem. And this has happened just recently um, in Jesus's life and various things have happened in the intervening period and we're now heading south. And in fact, the location of this uh, event will turn out to be very far south near the capital city of Jerusalem, which is Jesus's ultimate destiny. Luke makes it clear uh, that this is a turning point in Jesus' life and he decides fundamentally to bring to an end his very successful and popular ministry in Galilee and to head for Jerusalem in the expectation that this will lead to conflict with the religious authorities and ultimately his death and resurrection. So he's already warned his disciples, he's predicted his sufferings on a number of occasions and will continue to do so. He's warned them that he will suffer, die and be raised again from the dead. They're really struggling to understand this. Uh, opposition is rising to Jesus and so there's more uh, examples of opposition in the second half uh, of the story than there is in the Galilean period. And uh, Luke gives us lots of details of what happens on this long journey, which probably took several months because Jesus didn't go very quickly. He went from place to place. He stopped in many different places and he had sent out a team during this time of uh, 72, uh, 72 preachers who'd gone out in pairs, that's 36 pairs, that would include the 12 plus 60 others. This is recorded in uh, the beginning of Luke chapter 10, and uh, they were travelling around preaching in all the different uh, towns and villages of the central and southern parts of the country, south of Galilee, Samaria and Judea, and probably a little bit further afield than that. Jesus was essentially trying to um, provide a witness to him and evidence of his claims uh, to all the Jewish communities to get word out to them about who he was and what he claimed and the fact that the kingdom of God had come. The power and authority of God was beginning to reign on the earth very directly through Jesus and through the people who followed him. So that's what's going on in the background at this particular time. There's obviously quite a large number of people traveling with Jesus. No doubt they'll come and go during the journey, but he managed to gather 72 who went out uh, two by two. Um, so that's quite a significant number of people on the road traveling with Jesus. During this time, Luke also records all sorts of different interesting incidents. And we've just looked in the last episode um, uh, at a, a discussion between him and a teacher of the law who asked him a very searching question that led to Jesus uh, giving him the parable of the Good Samaritan 
explaining how to fulfill the commands of God and the significance of loving your neighbour universally and the significance of merciful attitudes and actions towards other people. So all sorts of things are happening as this uh, exciting and challenging and uncertain journey is unfolding. Luke then takes us in this passage um, to an interesting geographical place because um, he's recording uh, Jesus arriving at the home of Martha and Mary, uh, two sisters who appear also in John's Gospel in a later um, episode. And uh, their home appears to be Bethany, a small village not far from Jerusalem, just a few kilometres from Jerusalem, right in the south of the country. This shows us how far Jesus is travelling backwards and forwards as he's going round the central and southern parts of the country. So let's read from Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus was on his way with his disciples, and he came to the home of two sisters, Mary and Martha. Now we know from John's Gospel that the location of this was in Bethany. This is very close to Jerusalem, as I just mentioned. We also know from John's Gospel, from a later incident, uh, that Mary and Martha had a brother called Lazarus. We're going to be coming to the astonishing story of Lazarus later on. So Mary and Martha lived together and were probably unmarried at the time. The description of this household is slightly unusual. We've got the description here in Luke and then we have an extended discussion of the family situation in John uh, chapter 11 and uh, chapter 12. And these are things that happened later on. What's unusual is that there's no sign of Mary or Martha being married. John tells us they have a brother. There's no sign that he is married. So it appears they live in the same household. There's no mention of parents and there's no mention of any other family events, uh, family members. And so probably Martha is the householder, the older sister. And perhaps their parents have died. That's the logical conclusion from the evidence that we've got. We can't be entirely certain. But the interesting thing is only three family members are mentioned. 
in the two different Gospels, and there, there are siblings together, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Now, Lazarus doesn't appear in this story, um, but Mary and Martha are the central characters. It's important to mention here that Mary here is not Mary Magdalene. Verse 38, Martha opened her home to him. This was a big thing to do, because when you open your home to Jesus, you're opening your home to his followers. He's got 12 disciples and other people following him. We don't know how many of those people came into the home, but it's very hard to imagine that it was just Jesus. And so she's taking on quite a big responsibility when she opens up her home to Jesus. And she begins to feel this responsibility, especially as Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So as Jesus comes into the home, probably with his disciples, Mary is seizing the opportunity of listening to Jesus, building a relationship with him, understanding him, getting the feeling of who he is, what his message is, what his heart for people is. As far as we can tell, she's not met him before. Very unlikely that she would have met him, bearing in mind where she lives, which is a long way away from Galilee, where he'd been living and working for almost all his public ministry. So this was an amazing opportunity. Have you ever had those amazing opportunities when you meet somebody significant and you've got just a little bit of time with them and you think to yourself, I want to make the most of this time because I'm not going to get this time again. They're busy, they're popular, they're well known, they're influential, but I've just got this one opportunity. And no doubt that's exactly what Mary thought. She just had a brief moment. She was excited. She was in awe. She was interested. She had a spiritual need. This was the first time they'd met face to face. Now this is in stark contrast to Martha. So you can imagine the sitting room of the house filled with people, crammed in, and everybody listening carefully to what Jesus was saying, maybe describing things that had happened, maybe teaching them formally, maybe telling them things that were going to happen in the future, maybe answering their questions. We don't know exactly what it was, but Jesus was always interesting to listen to. And Mary seized the opportunity. But the contrast between Mary and Martha is really stark. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She knew that when you open the door to people, food will follow. Hospitality is going to require the availability of sufficient water for washing and for drinking. Hospitality is going to require organising some uh, bedding for people, either in the house or going to neighbours and asking for their help. She was distracted. There was a huge task. And one particular feature that is likely is that because of the nature of the household, there were no children probably to help. There were no servants to help. There don't seem to be any other people around. And so Martha is taking a lot of responsibility on her shoulders. And she's distracted by the fact that her sister isn't helping her. Her expectation was 
that the two of them would work together and let Jesus and his disciples rest in the sitting area of the house. And so she comes to Jesus and says, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So here is a seriously upset and distracted lady. But Jesus does quite the opposite of what Martha expected. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will be not, not be taken away from her. This is a polite rebuke. It is a word to calm her down. And it is an affirmation of what the priorities were at that particular time. In fact, I think Jesus would have preferred it if Mary and Martha both had come and spent time just talking to him. And then later on, they would have um, worked together on sorting out the hospitality. Don't be anxious. Mary has chosen to stop and to listen to Jesus. And that's something that Jesus greatly values. Mary has chosen the better option. A very short and a very simple story. But a real affection builds up between Jesus and Mary and Martha. Such that on a subsequent occasion, when uh, their brother Lazarus was suddenly taken very, very sick, they sent a long distance message to Jesus, who was a long way away from their home in Bethany. And they told him, Lazarus is sick. And Jesus had a real affection for Lazarus too. And so he came, he travelled a long journey to come back to Bethany. And miraculously, he raised Lazarus from the dead, who died in the intervening period, was in his tomb. And this was one of the greatest miracles that Jesus ever did. But as John tells the story, you see the sense of affection between Jesus, Mary, Martha and Lazarus. It was a family that he connected to at a level of friendship. But this story, although quite well known, needs further reflection to try and work out what we can actually learn from it. People often talk about the distinction between Mary and Martha. Are you a Mary? Are you a Martha? Women sometimes talk to each other using these two examples of different personality types. Most people identify more with Martha than they do with Mary. So what can we learn as we reflect on this short but significant story? Martha is a classic example of the negative power of anxiety. There's no record of her talking to Jesus and saying, Jesus, what would you like? Here I am. Here we are. We're going to look after you. Um, it'll take time to prepare things. Uh, how would you like us to do things? When would you like to eat the food? Uh, would you like to spend some time relaxing on your own? Would you like to talk to us and other guests in the house? There's no record of that sort of 
conversation. It appears that as Jesus entered the house, Martha entered into a state of hyper-responsibility, of feeling hugely responsible for what was going to happen. She was overwhelmed with those feelings of responsibility and she feared losing control of the situation because perhaps the numbers of people involved are a bit overwhelming. Perhaps she's going to have to get some food supplies in. Perhaps she's going to have to get some help from other people in the village or other relatives in the village. And she's literally rushing around. You know how anxious people sometimes uh, rush around. Their anxiety gets the better of them. I know that I've done it many times myself. And you notice that you, you, you can get very uh, angry with people. You can get very frustrated. Uh, you can move quickly. You can uh, become very awkward in the way that you relate to people. Anxiety can have a really strong effect on people. But what is the antidote to this? Because this is tremendously common in human experience. Many of us feel very anxious and worried about life for all sorts of reasons. And some of those reasons appear to be very good reasons. There's some big things to worry about, a lot bigger than the, the situation that Martha was facing on this particular occasion. But we do need to learn from what Jesus said to Martha. He did not agree with her anxious state of mind and her implication that Mary was guilty of laziness and getting her priorities wrong. He didn't agree with that. So here we have something we really need to wrestle with. We can say to God how busy and stressed we are. But Jesus said that Mary had chosen a better path a better way, a better use of her time at that particularly significant time in her life when Jesus came to her house. So Martha's way of thinking is being challenged by Jesus. Now, if we just think more broadly about the New Testament and we think of some of Jesus's other teaching and we think of the teaching of uh, Paul and others, in the New Testament, we can find that there's quite a lot of important things said about the issue of anxiety or worry. You see, anxiety and worry essentially means that we're afraid of losing control of a situation. We're afraid of things that are happening or might happen in the future. And it creates a desire to control that situation, to manage it, to take it in hand so that it doesn't um, cause difficulties for us uh, later on. That's really the condition of anxiety that Martha is demonstrating here. She wants to get moving really quickly because she's just afraid of how much there is to do and she's taking all this responsibility on herself. Jesus implies she shouldn't be doing that. She shouldn't be worried. She can come and sit with Mary for a time herself. There'll still be enough time to cook the food. Maybe the disciples will offer to help. Maybe Jesus will help himself. There's all sorts of ways the situation could be resolved. But Martha's absorbed all this responsibility uh, into her own being. And she's rushing around and distracted. 
Already we've seen in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addressing the question of worry very, very directly. Just to remind you, if you uh, need reminding of some of the things that Jesus said, Matthew 6, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. It's, it's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. And then he goes on to say, verse 33, But seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now the context is not a specific event. This is more general teaching. But I think the principles are important. If we trust God, rather than trusting in our own capacities and our own abilities, then we can find an inner peace. And if we prioritise the things that God wants us to do, then we can find our inner peace as well. Now we can apply that principle very directly to the situation of Martha and Mary. Because Mary's decision to sit and listen to Jesus did not imply that she was unwilling to work when she needed to. She was more interested in engaging with Jesus' presence than with getting all the practicalities sorting out and putting, putting on a good show. Active trust in God and putting his priorities first is a key to overcoming anxiety. Martha could have done it on that occasion, but she didn't. She was literally overwhelmed with anxiety. A very particular aspect of this process is described in Philippians 4 verses 6 to 7. When Paul addresses the question of anxiety, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul had lots of tremendous pressures on. And he lived a very tough and pressurised life, but he had learnt that prayer and petition and relating to God closely, thanking him for what he'd done, trusting, entrusting to him our responsibilities, could bring peace. He contrasts in that passage anxiety and peace. God does not want us to be anxious. He wants us to be at peace by actively trusting him. Mary is an example of this kind of trust and openness to God, even in this very brief incident in her life. She's also an example of female discipleship. We've already noted in Luke 8 and the beginning verses 2 and 3, where it says the 12 were with him and some women also who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, and Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So a group of women were travelling with the disciples as part of the discipleship community. Now this 
Mary and Martha were not part of that, but they were part of a culture that Jesus encouraged of female discipleship. And so Mary has become an example of that female discipleship and an inspiration to women who want to follow in the same path. So this very short account has some very powerful truths attached to it. It's also linked to the subsequent and extended narrative that John gives in chapters 11 and 12, where he recounts uh, the astonishing um, story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead and Mary and Martha's engagement with Jesus, their grief um, before uh, Jesus came and when he came and Lazarus had died. So that story is a very powerful story still to come. And then there's the wonderful story um, of Mary um, anointing Jesus um, just before he died. She took perfume and she wiped his feet with her hair and poured it, poured the perfume on his feet. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, according to John 12 and verse 3. So that's the same Mary. Mary, who is attentive to Jesus, learning from him, becomes a worshipper of his. And as we'll describe later on when we get to that episode, she shows her devotion to him, her affirmation of him, her worship of him, her honour of him by anointing him in this way with some very expensive perfume just before he dies. How can we prioritise spending time with Jesus in prayer, in a busy and pressurised life? I know that the people I'm speaking to through this video are almost all busy, very busy in our lives. We have huge responsibilities in families and work, huge pressures going on in our lives. I understand that. So did Mary and Martha. But we have a choice. All of us can take time to pray. Take time to read and study and meditate on the Bible. Can take time away from the pressure of life. You can only do this if you plan to do it and if you really believe it matters. And this story helps me and I hope it helps you to really understand how important this is. Jesus emphatically affirms a woman who chose not to do the obvious things of rushing around and preparing for food and hospitality, who chose rather to be quiet and to listen and to be in the presence of Jesus, even when there were other things to be done, which could be described as quite urgent things to be done. Certainly Martha felt that those things were more urgent. And of course, life is like that. There's always something which appears urgent to do. But I've learned over the years in my own Christian life that to set aside time, to designate that time in a very busy life which I lead is a key to finding inner peace 
and to avoiding that excessive anxiety that can be so crippling to us. So I want you to take this story, read it again, meditate on it. It's a very simple story. It's a very short story. It's quite a moving story. It's quite a profound story. And it speaks to our human condition about our priorities. It speaks into that ever-present tendency to be worried, to be anxious, or as modern people say, to be stressed. The number of times I hear people talking about stress um, is incredibly large. It's a major topic of communication between people in the developing world and countries like mine. People are always talking about the stress and the pressure of life. Well, worry and anxiety exist for all sorts of reasons in all sorts of cultures. But for all of us, there is a choice. We can take time. We can find quiet places. We can take hold of the Bible. We can sit down and meditate on it. We can ask God for help. We can seek to trust him. We can hand over to him the things that are really making us worried, as Paul encouraged us to do in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. And as we do that, the peace of God can fill our hearts. That very same peace of God that filled the heart of Mary as she sat at Jesus' feet and listened to all that he had to say. You have been listening to Martin Charlesworth for Word Online. To find out more, visit wordonline.org.